Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Okay, take two. We (laughs) (laughs) We tried to start once before, but yeah, it was too ridiculous. So we're starting over. So welcome back. (laughs) Let's start this professionally. (laughs) Okay. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, I'm Lori. I'm Kate. This is the ugly truth about the girl next door, in case you didn't know. Um, What are we talking about today, Lori? I think we're talking about faith and the church and how the church intersects with counseling and how the church has responded in some ways to this with you. Um, So, yeah. (sighs) I know. Okay. Here we go. You know, they always say, like, the things not to talk about with people are politics and faith, right? We're not going to talk about politics. I don't actually even know a lot about politics. (laughs) Which is quite an accomplishment during COVID times, especially. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, man, people are going to ridicule this. But if it didn't happen on social media, I probably don't know about it. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. (laughs) We might want to splice that out. Okay. Nope. (laughs) Full disclosure here, guys. Full disclosure. Um, Okay, so a question that I have been asked um, pretty frequently, sometimes it's been asked with definitely, it's a a loaded question, and it's definitely with judgment and ridicule, Um, and sometimes it's just asked pretty simply and plainly because people care about this, and so that's, so there is, we are not talking about this because any one specific person did it wrong, we just know that it's a question that is asked, and so we need to address it, and then also address kind of why um, this question is complicated and why um, faith and the church um, play into this. So the question of the day is, is Lori a Christian? Right, so I will answer that question very clearly, but first let me just say that um, I really have uh, two sides of my brain response to that. So that I I do understand, and there are many times, honestly, when Kate and I are talking, that I wish that spiritual things could be something that we could talk about because I can conceive of a way that that would be helpful to her, potentially. Um, and it is certainly a difficult thing for me sometimes to not be able to bring that in. Um, but honestly, more of me is a little bit um, frustrated by that question, not because it's not relevant at all, but because I have had too many experiences where I've met people who have um, come to me after having p- straight, pure biblical counseling without the clinical aspect to it, um, which I absolutely applaud that as something for what I would consider the worried well, right? People who are, you know, who are dealing with speed bumps in their life and they are looking for um, support, wisdom, discernment, 
information as they try to figure out how to get through that stuff in life successfully. The problem is that if you are dealing with something in your life that is more of a cliff than a speed bump, um, you need more than um, that. Not that that biblical stuff is not helpful, but you need the brain science stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So those of you who listened and hopefully you did listen to the brain science stuff hopefully you can realize that understanding how memory works and understanding how trauma works is a really important part of helping someone so i get that faith is important but i i wish that wasn't one of the first questions that people asked in the church when someone is seeking counseling yeah i agree absolutely and i've i've been you know i've gone to biblical counseling not a great um you know, for this level of trauma, definitely not helpful. Um, so answer the question, Lori, are you? Give us your background. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I um, have a very deep faith, actually, and have a, because I deal with suffering, honestly, on a regular basis in what I do, um, I have had to really drill down to understand, so where is God when the ugliest of the ugly happens? Um and so, yes, I have a very deep certainty that God is actively at work in all the things, the good stuff and the bad stuff, but that he is not the one who is orchestrating the bad stuff. And yet, honestly, I think that might be the first conversation Kate and Kate and I have really ever had about with that level of specificity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, when I first, um, so I don't even know if you know this, when I first came to see you, I made the appointment. It was like a month out and it was like perfect because I can just, you know, maybe I'll cancel it. We'll see. Um, And then a week before I came to see you, um, I went to the same church as you. Didn't know that. Like I didn't know that from like I was referred basically from like a friend of a friend and it was like super far removed. Definitely not at my church. Um, And like the week before I came to see you, I was in church with uh, my husband and a video was being played in which no. you were in it. And oh. I was like, hang on a second. Like, oh. I, the name was familiar. Mm. I had seen your face on their website. And it was like this like this moment of sheer terror. Like, I cannot do this again. I, I wanted someone who was so far removed from that. And then, oh, my goodness, you're on this massive screen. Like, how can this be possible? You know, it's like worlds oh. colliding, right? And, um, like, I don't even know how I made it to that first, like, yeah. meeting because I really, like, I was late, I'm pretty sure, because, like, I had to get a babysitter, but I wasn't. Okay, but you, if you know that, Kate being late is a very big deal. Oh, yeah, no. Kate is I'm not never late. late. She does ever, not do ever, late. Ever. I've never been late for my job, a day in my life. Like, I'm not, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, it was really, it was, it was very hard. But, like, you know, thank goodness I did, right? I mean, holy cow. But that was definitely... A thing that made me think twice because I was expecting I was expecting it to be the same as it had always been kind of that pure biblical counseling you really didn't get it you really couldn't hold enough of it to make a difference um, and so there was some pause for sure um, not that I don't um, believe in God not that I don't um, you know have that belief and have kind of that that well, and I, okay, not because I don't have that upbringing, but that's part of the problem, right? Is that God was used against me in a lot of these things. Um, I was told that um, 
that I that these bad horrible things were happening to me because that is what God created me to do that is the only thing I was created by God to do and if I didn't do them correctly not only would the people around me hate me but so would God because he created me to be used by these men and by these people and so if I wasn't doing that correctly and I wasn't pleasing those people then God was also angry with me um they used scripture against me. They used the Bible against me um, all the way through, even from when I was very young to um, then trying to have my own faith and trying to reconcile that in my brain. And again, you know, middle school, high school years of trying to work that out with um, different people and with youth group. Um, even through that, it was still this this doom and gloom feeling of like, if I don't do it right, then I'm in trouble and I will be in trouble. I can't even use the word. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, very, very complicated for me. Um, so um, I think it's important to realize that I don't think there is a harder place in the world to be for someone than if you are someone who believes in God but does not find him to be a safe place to land. Um, because if you believe that God is all powerful and all knowing, um, and yet you consider him to be someone who doesn't love you and who is just waiting for there to be bad things that happen to you, even when there's something good. And I, you know, I think this is one of the things that has made our journey difficult is that even when there's good stuff, it feels like it's only a matter of time before mm -hmm. it gets snatched away. Yeah, absolutely. And that honestly, like a, a great example of that is having my kids. When I found out I was pregnant with my first son, um, I, you know, Patrick laughed at me because obviously he, he just, he didn't know all of this at the time, but, um, I took, I don't, 30 pregnancy tests. <laughs> like I'm dead serious. I have a picture of all of these pregnancy tests in a cup. I actually worked in a clinic at the time and I would just at work, every time I was at work, I would take a pregnancy test <laughs> because I was so sure that it wasn't going to happen. It was going to get, not because I had really had a lot of loss in that, um, but because I was just sure that it was going to, it was going to go away. Um, and then I had my son and he was healthy and it was like, this can't be real. He's going to, like, bad things are going to happen. He's going to die as an infant. He's going to, you know, whatever. I just was so sure that that was going to happen. And really, still now, I'm sometimes, I mean, I watch my kids like crazy person. I make them wear gizmo watches so that I can track their location because I still live in this code red, code orange life, you know, um, that I'm just, I'm sometimes very sure that bad things are going to happen. And sometimes I am proven right about that. And that's also really confusing and hard. Um, you know, full disclosure, we talked about yesterday how sometimes it feels like there's this black cloud, even just in trying to get this information out and trying to do this podcast. Um, in the last few weeks, just crazy stuff that has been happening in both of our lives that I was just like, are you, that's preventing us and, and these roadblocks to sharing this story. And it's like, are you serious? Like, there's this huge black cloud over this whole thing. That's always been the case. And um, it's, a, it's a hard place to move forward from. So I'll say this again, Kate and I don't talk about these things, but right, my interpretation of that is not, of course, that that is God is putting a roadblock in place. I think that God has brought us together for exactly this, for a good thing. But there is an enemy who does not want 
this moving forward. And that is very hard and confusing for Kate, right? So this is probably the only time you will hear us talk about faith, um, at least for a really long time, because that is such, it's like just such a very complicated thing for her. Yeah, so, okay, let's try to talk about that because that's like part of the, you know, uh, part of the story, I guess. Um, some of these really awful things that were happening, they actually happened in the physical building of the church. So that's the first piece of the complication is just the physical building of a church does not feel safe to me all the time. Um, I have pushed through it and made it feel safe for a section of my life that we like to call church me. Um, but it, it really doesn't. It doesn't feel safe all the time for me. I don't, there's you know, too many triggers, too many memories. There's so much phrasing and words that people use in the church um, that are just so triggering to me um, because of, you know, the trauma that was experienced literally in the building behind the baptistry of a church. Um, so that's piece one. Um, and then also the church people, right, is that a lot of the people at the church that I, you know, um, was at at the time of the trauma that um, they were people that were involved. There was men from the church who I would see on Sunday morning and on Monday afternoon they would come and pay for pictures of me. They would come and pay for these things and this time with me. Um, so again, just this really crazy mind flip. That goes back to the boxes we talked about earlier of just, you know, when I was at church on Sunday in a really super cute dress, that was brighter world. And then Monday afternoon, that was the darker world. So those were really super separate in my brain, but, you know, separate but equal, right? They were separate in my brain, but they were both happening simultaneously at the same time. So now as an adult and kind of past that part of it, um, the church is just a really complicated thing for me, both building and people. It's just, it's hard. Um, so we talked about implicit memory and the reality that we can be triggered to feel certain things based on sort of subtle triggers. So for Kate, who had certain words or like mental pictures or um, smells even, churches can sometimes smell a certain kind of way, mm -hmm. those words would understandably now be entangled in some of those puzzle pieces thrown under the couch. Yeah. And that's not comfortable. And then, oh, by the way, let's talk about considering bringing your children into mm. a church building. Yeah. Leaving my, my kids at, um, at the, you know, the kids department of a church was like earth shattering. I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I did do it a couple times, very few and far between. Um, we would have so many reasons why we couldn't make it because I really couldn't make it. <laughs> I really couldn't. Um, the thought of leaving them in the care with people at the church who I didn't know and didn't trust was like mind bending. I just, I couldn't do it. Um, and, and all fairness, why on earth would you? Right. Because that does require an assumption that the people who are there are safe people. Right. And for me personally, that wasn't true. Um, so that's, yeah, super complicated. 
Um, so that's kind of like the gut of it. That's the like the baseline for the church. But then there was also this part that we talk about that's church me, right? That there, I, you know, after my escape attempt in middle school and after the mess that that was, it became really clear to me that in order to, um, to fit into the world, the brighter world that I lived in, I had to become church me. I had to embrace the church and I had to kind of embrace um, what I thought was the right look, the right, I had to say the right words, do the right things. I had to know how to do that. And so I learned, I learned how to do that. I went to a private school and I learned it there and I went to church and I went to youth group and I did those things and I learned how to do that. Um, what was any of that stuff that you really believed or felt or that is a loaded question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of me, yes. I think that part of me at that moment in time, yes. Because again, I do believe in God. I do believe that um, I do. But I, in those, in that time, um, I believed that I was doing it right. So I did think that, yeah, God loved me because I was doing it right, but only because I was doing it right, because I was journaling every day and because I was reading my Bible every day and because I went to youth group faithfully and consistently and because I had memorized all the different things to go on all the different mission trips, right? I believed I was doing it right, and so therefore, yeah, I was in an okay place with God. Um, that's legalism <laughs> at its core. Um, yes. You know, if I'm dressing the right way, doing the right things, raising my hands during worship, then then I'm good with God, right? But, oh my goodness, God forbid that I don't do those things. That was earth-shattering to me because, again, because of the trauma, if I didn't do those things, it wasn't just, oh, I'm not, you know, in a great place with God. It was God now hates me. And, and, and if I'm not doing those things correctly and if I'm not living this life, then then it's over basically it's so black and white in my mind there is no gray area and that's kind of always how it's been for me is you either do it right or you you just are in trouble that's the end um so i think there are probably plenty of people listening to this who can relate to the legalism of that um but it's important to remember that doesn't even begin to touch the enormity of the terror that you feel at the idea of not doing it right and yeah. being okay with God because it was so bad. Yeah, because again, that goes back to the core of God being used against me. It wasn't just, well, now God is upset with me. It is, God is upset with me, God hates me. And now this really um, horrible, painful, um, you know, torture type of event is going to happen because of that. I can't believe I just said that, but okay. You did. I, I know. Did. And that was very brave. So. Okay. Kate has sort of touched vaguely on sort of what has happened, but the the use of God and ritual, for lack of a better word, um, as part of keeping her quiet and part of, honestly, it was even more than that. It wasn't just, and this was one of those puzzle pieces, probably several puzzle pieces that were really in the back of the, under the couch in the dust, had to do with the fact that it, it wasn't just to keep you quiet, but it was part of what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, you can elaborate on that. Okay. 
so in the conversations over time, it became evident that there was a certain pleasure that was experienced by people who were using God against her and, um, and doing these things that it wasn't, it wasn't power and control in and of itself. Yes, it was that it wasn't, it was more than that. Mm -hmm. It was all of that. And, um, yeah, it it was one of the things, you know, we talked about in the very first episode of being a, I could be whatever I needed to be, whatever was required. So if someone is paying for a certain experience and that experience is being an authoritative godly figure over me and making sure that I am doing what is required um, and then I'm not or they are you know playing out this experience and I'm not then there's consequences that come with that and that's that's a, a whole experience that people paid for and that is a really gross thing to say but um, it is just true. It's one of the things, yeah, people, people saw themselves as godly and they saw me as dirty. And if they could play that out, it was a fantasy type of thing for some people. Oh my God. I can't believe I just said that I know. and that we're going to share that with people, but okay. Moving forward. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, okay. So I feel compelled to always let people know that Lori is a Christian because um, it definitely feels like um, it makes it all more legit. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way because of all your silly brain science stuff. (laughs) It should be obvious. It should be. (laughs) Um, But it does feel that way because Christianity and because God was used as such a manipulation tool and as as such a, a really, really dark thing for me. Um, It feels like I have to tell everybody, like, oh, my goodness, yes, she does all these things. She's so amazing. She, like, loves Jesus all the time. You can barely even get those words out. (laughs) I (laughs) know. But, uh, you know, so that's, I think, also why we wanted to share this, though, because it is really important to her. I know that. She has not been, you know, not telling me that or not. She she certainly doesn't make it like she doesn't want to tell me about it. Um, But she's also really sensitive to the fact that that's, that that's where I have come from and that's really it's complicated and you have said before that we will be together forever and ever and ever because someday we will untangle that <laughs> um, exactly so it's just gonna take time it's just it's gonna take time and it feels like it's been so long but here we are um but I want to say I don't have an agenda with that I don't my and this is where I think like the biblical counseling versus clinical counseling is where they part ways mm-hmm I, my agenda is health and healing and presence. That's it. Done. Yeah, I do see spirituality as potentially a part of that. I mean, there's plenty of research out there that points to some kind of spiritual life as a very valuable thing in someone's overall well-being. But that's not my agenda. My agenda is presence. Mm-hmm. Being with you in this to help get all those puzzle pieces out of the dust and untangle all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's so that's such a difference between my previous experiences with a biblical counselor and my experience with you. PS, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, thumb on the waist. Here I, we go. Yeah, yes. 
Kate actually got me a keychain for Christmas. <laughs> she has one and I have the other. Thelma and Louise. You are my Thelma. It's my Louise. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, that's kind of where this base was based. That I felt compelled to, to have people know that, though, about you. Because it's an important part of you. And it's an important thing for um, some people to know. And we want people to know that. But also want them to know that there's more. It's more than just that. Um so can you talk about Church Me a little bit? Yeah. Let's talk about Church Me. Let's do that. That was so cute. <laughs> Not really. Actually, no. A friend, actually, you know who you are, just sent me some old photos of me and her from a missions trip in high school. And I got to tell you, like, not appreciated. <laughs> not cute. Who was doing my hair? Ugh. Anyway. Not Carissa, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> moving on oh i hope she doesn't see those pictures i know right she would be like girl please um okay no church me so church me was this version of myself that came about kind of after um the middle school escape attempt it was the acknowledgement that i had to kind of assimilate and become the people that i saw around me which i was really good at doing because that was the only way to survive was to become whatever i needed to be to survive and so that's what i did um, and like I said, church me went to youth group every single Wednesday and went to church every single Sunday. And at that time there was even Sunday night church and I went to that too. Um, and I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but it was definitely, a a part of my life that I look back at and just kind of cringe a little bit. <laughs> um, I, there was more escape attempts in this time frame, just in trying to talk about what um, what I was dealing with because I was still very much in the thick of dealing with it. Um, again, there's that split reality of people might have looked at me and not known that because I was able to live in this bright world. I was able to like highlight my Bible and all the things. Uh, did you <laughs> color code? Yes, uh. obviously. And I had a Bible with my name inscripted on the front of it. <sighs> Duh. Uh, <laughs> But I, you know, so there was that split world, too. Again, on Sunday, I went to church, and on Monday, whatever. Um, and so I, there was definitely escape attempts made. Um, there was people in my life, adults um, in my world, that I would try to kind of, you know, ask for, oh, yeah, here we go, ask for a prayer request. You know, mm -hmm. I have a prayer request, unspoken. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Um, right. But you know, trying who's asking? To, right. Who's asking the question of like, well, what's going on in your life? Right. And and if they did, there were people that did. And then I would start to a little bit crack the door and, and share what was going on or or again, here's one piece of it. Here's what happened to me, not what's happening to me, because that was too dangerous. Um, man, that door was slammed shut. Um I was told, uh, you know, I had to give my testimony for a, a missions trip. And it was, you know, supposed to be like 10% of your past and then 90% of how God kind of moved in your life. And, and again, I'm not saying that I didn't believe that, that that really was true. But when I gave the 10% of my past being just simply that I was sexually abused, I was told to take that out of it. It was a little bit too much. Mm. Um, so just say, you know, that my past was a little bit rough. That's what I, that's what I was told to say. Mm. Um, so even that, again, slam the door, right? You can't talk about these things in church. Good Lord. Why would we do that? Um, I had small group leaders. I went to small group every single week. Um, and I had small group leaders who um, acted like they cared. They really did. They really 
I, I do think that they thought they cared. I think they believed that they were trying to show up. Um, and, you know, hearing that little snippet of my testimony that then I was told to take out that was like, oh, man, like, well, you know, are you OK? Um, and then when I, you know, ultimately as it unfolded, um, was kind of told that I was lying, that that couldn't be true, that these things couldn't be true, that I was manipulating. Um, two of my small group leaders actually, uh, one of them texted me, asked me if I wanted to have coffee. And I was like, yeah, 100 percent. Um, picked me up from my house and when I got in the car the other small group leader was also there um, we drove to a park and the two of them together accused me of lying and manipulating and told me that I really had to stop um, doing that and stop talking about these things to people um, and then you know beyond that the youth pastor at the time then got involved and said the same thing you know you really need to um, to stop talking about this and stop telling people um, the things that are going on in your life. It's just kind of a lot for people to take in. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, right? So it's probably very evident to people listening that why that would be triggering to have your small group leaders basically think that you're lying and manipulating and tell you to stop, but. And kidnap you. But and sure. okay. But can you talk about that part? Like what? The, the, the kidnap part yeah. like the yeah the fact that I was like lied to and tricked into going with them yeah that's super triggering as well um yeah I mean all of it all of it is triggering right just but again I don't think I saw it that way I saw it as the people that were doing this to me said this would happen they said that people would hate me they said that no one would believe me they said you know God hated me and here it was playing out in living color these people are saying the same thing. So it's got to be true, right? It's got to be me because clearly it's something is wrong with me that I cannot get help and that I cannot get out. Um, so yes, triggering, but also like affirming the lies that have been fed to me for 20 years, right? I wasn't 20 at the time, no, I guess. I don't math. We know this already. 15 maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> anyways um so yeah that's church me in a nutshell i guess um so i want to say because kate and i've talked about this but i part of me is very very grateful that church me came to be because it has allowed you to have quote unquote a normal life too Mm -hmm. right so church me has allowed you to be an amazing mom and wife and part of your new family and your in-laws and also be able to do the work that you do with the job that you have and have friends and Mm -hmm. all the things that so but I know that sometimes you hate church me I do because church me feels very much like it trapped me it Mm. feels like it was um because it then facilitated these these conversations and these moments where it did affirm the things that they were saying, it definitely feels like it was just another layer of being trapped. So like, yeah, I was doing life pretty well in the bright world, but I was also that much more trapped. Um, but you're right, it definitely, I mean, I met my husband on a missions trip. Would I have been on that missions trip had church me not emerged? No, probably not. Um, so certainly I do see it for what it is and see that, you know, being that person and kind of um, living that out a little bit definitely has put me where I'm at today. 
that sounds like I'm saying that that was all fake. Um, and, you know, that my relationship with my husband was based on fakeness. It w- It's not. It wasn't. I believed those things at the time. It's just unfolding. This whole faith piece is just so, so, so complicated. Um, but I don't want anyone to hear that as like, I was just really faking it until I made it. <laughs> well, we talked about this in the first episode that everybody has parts, right? We all, we have a, we don't show all the parts of ourselves in every environment we're in. That wouldn't be appropriate, right? So those of you who watch the Super Bowl, the yelling and screaming perhaps that you engaged in during the Super Bowl, you probably wouldn't act that way when you're sitting in church. You probably <laughs> wouldn't act that way when you are at work. You wouldn't. So you have a part that watches the Super Bowl and then you have a part maybe that sits in church. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's absolutely for sure. So yeah, sometimes I do hate church me, but I do see what you're saying that um, it definitely is a church me isn't even probably a great it's really just like the public me right it's mm-hmm. the version of myself that goes to work and does my job really well i'm, a, I'm really good at my you job are really i good. know <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm sure everyone can see why yeah um but i yeah so that's the part of me that you know but sometimes that's frustrating because it's like I'm feeling all these things and having, I mean, even the thing that you shared in our, in the, the one episode is like, we're doing this podcast and this, this persona, this, this public version of myself is out there. And then the fallout happens afterwards when we turn the microphone off and when we then process through what we just shared, that's a whole different look, (laughs) but you can't have a podcast where you're sobbing all the time. So. Right. But Um, I do, Kate and I do often have conversations about the fact that I don't only care about church me because sometimes I think it can feel like that to you. Like, well, you know, is it only mm -hmm. that public you that is entertaining and you are really, really funny. And so, (laughs) right. So is that the only part of you that is liked and cared about? No, we have to, right. Well, yeah. And I definitely discovered that with my, my new, my in-law family. Um, I was very sure that that was going to be the case. I, before we were ready to share kind of what was really going on um, and sort of the full story of my history, which we hadn't before, I was really sure that no fault of theirs, but that they were going to be like, oh my goodness, our poor son married this lunatic. Um, and I was like so taken aback when they didn't do that when it was like what why would you think that that's the only part of you that we love we love all of you you're our daughter you are part of our family and this changes nothing um it was a really crazy like brain split moment for me just like okay but that's all you know like you only know the public version of me i mean maybe a little bit more than that they you know have seen the hard days the the newborn face of being a mom um but really none of this and so then when they did know that it was like but they're still here <laughs> like why are they still here you know um I still deal with that I still struggle with that with them listening to this podcast and thinking oh my goodness like I just you know but I mean yeah they show up I said that last time they show up my in-laws they know how to they love well so and so do you and that's important to remember too yeah. uh See, there it is. Oh, there it is. Not so sure of that. Okay. So that's our episode on faith. <sighs> that we was fun. That, yeah, it was, well, here we go. So, yeah, it was, but I hope that, you know, people are 
enlightened a little bit um if nothing else right yes right so if yeah if you have actual trauma please seek a licensed professional (laughs) yes please yes and if by the way faith is also an important part find a professional who like me is also a christian who will integrate that into your therapy if you want them to it is possible for the two to go together. Yes, science and faith. Science and faith bring Whew. it all together. All right. So I don't, We. I wonder, can people like post questions to us? Oh, do we want that? I don't know. Ooh, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of our podcasts are linked to uh, an Instagram post as well. Like we try to post an Instagram post every time we publish a new episode just to keep the two together so yeah if you have a question absolutely you can direct message us on instagram um our instagram is ugly truth about the girl next door um hashtag that (laughs) that's not how you don't hashtag hashtag. i know how to hashtag but you (laughs) maybe do not (laughs) okay we attempt um so i actually was talking to your marketing friend who's Uh clearly much younger than me and uh no no mm. okay well she she's seems cooler. that she's cooler i guess yeah and she was like uh she was trying to tell me how to do something on instagram and she's like if you can't find it like you can just let me know and i'm like i feel so old in this moment right now like what is happening to my world okay but social media is what she does like that's part of her i know thing. i know but i just felt like oh my goodness all these little kids know how to do it. like my kids probably know how to do it and i don't but anyway now you know how i feel all the time i know i know I do. I know. So I hear you. It is hard to be. <laughs> so yeah. So like us on Instagram, of course. Follow our podcast. And yeah, if you have questions or you want to reach out, um, you can definitely direct message us. If it's something more clinical speaking, I will let Lori yes. <laughs> respond. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We're here for, for questions. But don't say things that are mean. That's just not right. So yeah. 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 No. We like don't you. bother, you know. But yeah. Anyways. So yeah, thanks for listening. Okay, thanks for listening. All right. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.